Hey folks, uh, welcome to the Film Photography Podcast. My name is Michael Rosso, and we're here today with Leslie Lysenby. Hi everyone. Mr. Mark O'Brien. Hey there. And Matt Mirage. Hey, hey, hey. It's really great to see you guys. It's good to see Same you, Mike. Here. Yeah, very Always exciting. Good to see you. It's been but so it's like like yesterday. It's like, just like yesterday. I see an array of so many cameras. We're gonna, we're gonna be revisiting and talking in much more detail about Oh no. <laughs> Sub miniature. Uh, 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 <laughs> Mamrosh will. He's just going to melt in his chair. Uh, no, I'll, I'll get through it. It's fine. His Go lay on curling. the red couch. I just can't. I just can't make eye contact with them. Go on the red couch and take you know, a nap. Matt, I'm going to tell you why I'm excited about sub miniature. Why are you excited about this, Mike? Because I inherited so much 16 millimeter motion picture film, and when I figured out that these cameras took that film, I was able to go into the fridge, take the film out, cut it. And I'm like, oh my god, I can get use out of this film. Okay, can I tell you why these cameras sometimes make me angry? Yes, please. Okay, it's not because... Well, it might be a little bit because I, I shoot large format and I'm like a prude now or something. But really what I think it is is the same thing when I watch those you know, those Facebook videos of people ti- like cooking with the tiny kitchen and they make like the tiny food. <laughs> oh, yes. Th- yes. That's what I think this is. And I'm like, why are you... Why? It's so much effort. It's so... Sp- oh. Well, we don't have a tiny little squirrel or hamster to take oh. the picture. Picture, so like, we have. Like, why do this when you can shoot minimum 35? When Gee, you can shoot yes. 120? The convenience. Oh, the convenience. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. Ask Don't you agree that if you were Matt Mirage, international spy, and it was 1964, you'd have to like like Q would give you that camera. <laughs> Q would give you that camera. Yes, and you with some kind of. Uh, Tech pan type of film, yes, and you'd have, have to go shoot some documents and and murder a few people. Yes, yeah. Then uh, yeah, then it's okay, right? Of course, you, it's really hard just to slice somebody up when you're lugging your eight by ten. Not that you haven't maybe done it. It's beefy, you know. It's so it's beefy. got the bulk going for so, it. So there you go. Before we get started, yeah. But before we, well, get you know started. what? I I, I could t- we could talk about angry video game nerd to resuscitate Matt. Yes, there. Yeah, that might be I'll, the reward. That's fine. Yeah. Making I'll it through. Yeah. I'll just I'll push serenity through, Matt. now. Push through. I'll deep okay. breaths. I'll I'll be fine. Papa Xanax. Let's hit uh, it. Do we have any letters from people? No letters. No. This is all. This is all. Us. Okay. All the All time. Us. What do you want to talk about first? He's got the hands. Too. Well, why don't we start off with sub-miniature, then and we'll move into half-frame. Uh, half-frame is miniature. Well, let's Sub-miniature to miniature. Let's just go here. Oh, Matt's actually leaving uh, the room. Okay, good, good. Okay. We're going to go back, way back. Episode 77, March 1st, 2013. Oh, that, that is going way back. It is. I talked about miniature cameras, sub-miniature cameras, and kind of a little bit the history about the different sizes. Which episode mini- was that? That's episode 77. I talked about what was a miniature, what was a, uh, a mini, things like that. Not in the depth, really, this time of talking about these different film sizes. This is kind of complicated. But I broke down kind of everything that was smaller than 120 or 127. Yes. That was the format for years, 127 and 120. And I don't know whose flippin' idea it was to come out with 35 millimeter. And they, the people that used 120 were so offended, they thought that calling them miniature films and miniature cameras might dissuade you from using those less desirable film format. It's pretty grainy stuff, it doesn't matter. 
35 millimeter was originally called miniature, which is why some of our smallers are now sub-miniature. So anything smaller than 35 is sub-miniature. Old camera magazines, you go back and you see the films. It's miniature films. These are miniature films. And, they used to and say, it's 35 millimeter. And you say minicam. That was one of the... I only know that as video, minicams. Well, well minicam, there was an uh, old magazine back in the day. That's right. And it was just for 35 millimeter. It was designated millimeter. for 35 millimeter. Yep. It was called minicam. So there are many sub-miniature. Anything smaller than 35 millimeter is sub-miniature. Minox, of course, that's the big name. Everybody knows Minox. Tessinas. Roly. Ooh. Yashica. Mamaya, Gemflex, Minolta. Those are your best known manufacturers for sub miniature or sub min cameras. Up until 2006, still manufactured. 2006. 20, 2006, 2011 gone. Get out of but that was the Menox TLX. They are plentiful. The cameras are plentiful. The film and processing is the challenge. It's not just one film size. It's not it's complicated. There again, I'm going to just not before we get into the film, but I'm going to talk a little bit about where to get your films processed. If you have an old Menox reel, of course you can do it yourself. They're they're cut lengths of film. If you have 16 millimeter, you can do that if you have a 110 roll developing role you can do that yourself if you don't care to me i don't <laughs> i use two close pins and a teacup back and forth feel my way up to the next teacup in the dark it looks like you're milking a cat well sounds like it because the it's dark in there but yes <laughs> we're all in there milking cats so if you do have uh, not the capability, the desire, or anything else to process your own Blue Moon camera and machine, I consider the source for developing sub-miniature and especially the Menox films. They, they know it. They have also some sales of fresh film in the Menox area. Now, one film that we don't think about, and these films are devail- available at the darkroom, 110 mm-hmm. is a sub-miniature film. Disc film. Oh. I, I don't know if... I, well, it's a submit. I was going to say, I don't know if I know anyone who likes it, but f- f- our good friend Tony Kemplin in the UK, faux Tony, yes. shoots lots of disc film. I have one that takes double A's. I was astonished. And it has a telephoto lens, and it pushes the flash out. Isn't that a scream? Oh. That's pretty freaking <laughs> ass I, I worthless. I really want to scream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty worthless. But that disc, the disc image is the same as the Minox. Get in there. And both, uh, I believe the Darkroom, they can do some pretty killer scans with uh, at least the 110. I know that they yes. have a holder for their Frontier that does that. There you go. Yeah, so that's, it's not exclusive Blue Moon. Like, if I have 110 and I wasn't going to do it myself, it's going to the Darkroom. Darkroom. Most of these... Probably will require you, especially in the 16 millimeter world. Some of the the Minox style. I'll get into the sizes here in just a second. Will probably require you to load your own cassettes, reload your own cassettes. Subminiature films in general are not interchangeable. There are just too many darn sizes. We reported on the Minolta 16 a few shows ago, mm-hmm. and we were all under the assumption that they were all interchangeable. They, no. <laughs> No. 
and as they say, the best, well, the best known probably sub-miniature format, and I'm going to increase in size, is the Minox. Yushika also used them. They were only 8 by 11 millimeters. Isn't that tiny? Yeah, and that, so tiny? that is that is either it's so in... Uh, Why is it so tiny? <laughs> <laughs> the Kodak disc frame, although mounted circular, is 10, 8 by 10 millimeter. That's barely bigger than the Minox. That's tiny. Matt, it's tiny. I perked, it's up, when you, I, I perked up when you said 8 by 10 and now I'm just more angry. Now he's just on the floor. <laughs> of course, there's 16 millimeter, the most common today. <sighs> okay, Many sizes. Breaks. 10 by 14, 12 by 17, 13 by 17, all coming out of 16 millimeter film. 16 16 super 16 yeah i wanted to ask mike are both is everything with 16 millimeter film now single side or double side perf or can you get both uh to my knowledge only single perf is made only single perf is made because it gave more real estate that's correct because most two most 16 millimeter uh cameras shooting today have been modified to shoot super 16 because the uh, preferred format for finished media is 16 by 9. Got it. Thank mm. you. I knew I was here. For, you were here for a reason. Thank you. Why well, I would ask you. APS. That's sub-miniature. Yes. Mm-hmm. 24 Little, millimeter. Yeah. It's a different aspect ratio, but it is smaller than 35 millimeter, so it gets put into the sub-miniature category. Mike, don't you get that sweet little EOS that, I you, do. that you ride with? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's great. The Nikon Nexus? Some, there are nice ones out there. I used to have the Minolta S2. Mm-hmm. And that was a nice little 35, nice little, not 35. It looked it was a little SLR that I had different lenses for it. Did a nice job. Really did. You've got the hit cameras in there, too. Oh. Some of those took. Those are weird. Sub-miniature film in rolls mm-hmm. that were just a little tiny roll with paper around it. You pulled it across and loaded it in pretty unique in in general sub-miniature cameras kind of there was a ton of them poorly manufactured Mm -hmm. bad cameras gave them a bad name then you get into the minoxes the rollies the mamayas isn't this gorgeous what is it this is a mamaya super 16 f-stop shutter speed viewfinder this is a 16 millimeter super 16 that is just a wonderful feat of engineering the sub-miniature itself there is so confusing. You can have a Minolta 16 and a 16-2. They don't necessarily take the same cassette. Yes. And they changed midstream sometimes. Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Apple was bad. So, little list here. Uh-oh. 12 by 17, used by Gammy, Minolta, um, MGs, and QTs. There's an 11.5 by 14.7 used by a Mike Roma, M-I-K-R-O-M-A camera. Square, 14 by 14. Hmm. That's sweet. Hmm. There's the 16 by 16, which was Robot. You guys know Robot? Oh, yeah. No. Robot was a very, very common sub-miniature. Oh, okay. And they did a lot of chrome work because I can still buy a lot of Robot mounts to mount your slides and project them. As Robot R-O-B-O-T? R-O-B-O-T. Nice. Mm-hmm. And they made uh, 35 millimeter too. Mm-hmm. There's the, four, uh, there's the 10 by 14. That's the standard 16 millimeter. And that was used by a lot of people. 10 by 10. 
mini cords. One on my bucket list. Stylophote. It's all these names, robots. Stylophote. S-T-Y-L-P-H-O-T-O-P-H-O-T. It looks like a fat fountain pen. You know, it's that little spy camera, but that takes 10 by 10 little bits of film. The, of course, the 8x11 is Minox, classic Minox. 8x10 millimeter Kodak disc. 6x6. Six six. Millimeter. A, that's, <laughs> I think the 6x6 six six millimeter is the chip that comes out of the holes of the sprocket on 35 millimeter. I was just going to say, I, I feel like these were all invented by somebody's cheap oh. grandpa that was just sweeping the floor in a dark room where they clipped the corners. Like stack. Yeah, like. That's, that's, let's and invent that, a camera for this. We can make a fortune. That's right. There's no sense wasting this film. Goodness. It was, that fit into an Echo, an Echo 8. Echo. Not to echo, derail, but echo, why do you suppose echo. so many small... Like, why were these mini formats created? Like, for what reason? Exactly. Because Podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I neglected to mention because I don't have an answer Fine, for that. Right? I mean, sixties was a time. Fifties, sixties was a time to like steal shit. <laughs> well, uh, sure. I don't know. Steal shit. Steal information. I also did not mention one ten. Right. Yes. You know, Rolly made a. There's a lot That's of really sweet gorgeous one tens. So. It's a headache, in a way, <laughs> if you do not have a cassette. If you buy one of these cameras, make sure there's a cassette in there, ideally 16 millimeter, so that you can reload it. Hand up, cube on. Yes. Easiest one maybe to find is the Minox, Tessina, Kiev's, because they were still in production in 2006. So that helps you out simply because of the newness. If you pick up, get a box at an auction or something, and there's cassettes or film in it, don't just throw them out. Somebody's going to need those. Yep. Yeah. Capitalism. Me. And me. And me. And me. Isn't that cute? I have actually this neat little Rolly 2.8. I couldn't um, believe that that was actually working. Isn't this beautiful? That, that is this the, is the closest replica, nice really, that you can That's get. A piece of art. Um, of a medium format camera, roll, a roll of flex, yet this takes a modern, reasonably modern, Minox cassette. It is a fully working camera, sport finder, glass, the whole bit. Gorgeous. It actually had a little flash unit that went with it, too. If you have needs for cassettes, a couple places. Yes, you can look on the bay. Maybe a little bit better place with a little more ex- success is Sub Club. S-U-B- oh, yeah, the subclub. Subclub.org, and they have a section called Swap Meet. You can either sell or uh, put your wants in there, too. They are a wealth of information. It is a very complicated general format, calling these all sub-miniatures, because there are just so many variations. Um, let's see. Last, uh, probably most important note, if you do have someone else process these for you, request your cassettes back or you're going to be in the same situation you were weeks ago looking for more mm-hmm. so request them back reload it now that you can get 16 millimeter not in 2000 foot rolls you can get them 50 feet 50 feet here yeah at the fpp what's that FPP. like a lifetime supply yeah well, uh, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact with boxes there right on the right table there. these 
Yeah, what, is, what are they well, called? How cute. Those is, oh, Minolta uh, 16. Minolta 16, sub-miniature film, 16 mil by 50 feet. Perf, one-sided perf. Now, with your help, Leslie, you'll be able to tell me what other cameras that is. Because it just says Minolta 16, but there are other cameras. There that, are others, yes. yes. Give you a few clues on that. Okay. But now, if you're going so to do Minox, they don't... If you're going to do Minox, that's unperfed and smaller. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not getting involved with that. No. But you if you have them, yeah. go to Sub Club. They will direct you to Goat Hill. Goat yes. Hill, right? Goat, Goat Hill. Hill. Goat Hill makes slitters. Okay. That is not easy to say. Critters and slitters. Yeah. But you're slitting usually from 120, mm. and that slits the backing paper, too. Ooh, It'll that's slit nice. slit the whole thing at once if you need the backing paper. Mm-hmm. So Sub Club is a really... Really, an awesome source for all things sub miniature. Are we all sub minned out? No, we're yes. not quite yet. Oh, okay. I was going to say, our, our um, FPP listener, Eric Bergstrom, that yes. did the Focron Tester, he's got some slitters he's made for, for slitting 16 from 35 millimeter, and it works quite well. I'm going to talk about something that's not quite as miniature. It's half frame. Just as infuriating. And right. <laughs> so. Half frame is basically half the size of a 35 millimeter. It's 18 by 24 millimeters. The, the cameras obviously are most probably most notable for the half frame would be the Olympus pens. And you've, yes. these have been discussed here before on the show, I believe. And there's a bunch of other ones. There's a, there's a uh, Canon Demi, the Ryko Auto Half, the Yoshika Samurai. One I have here is the um, Konica Eye. Konica. Konica Eye, yes. <laughs> It's a beautiful little camera. It's uh, got a a bezel around the front lens with with the little selenium cell for for controlling the uh, shutter and so forth. It's got a copal shutter in it. Wow! It has copacetic. Uh, it's under automatic. You can set it to auto, and it will do. It has a uh, let's see thirty millimeter f one point nine lens in it, and it's just a beautiful little camera. You can set the ASA on the back with a little with a, on the top deck and a little dial on the back of the camera. The shutter speeds are auto set. They're ranging from bulb in manual to one thirtieth to one eight hundred. And again, the um, selenium cells control the metering, just like the Olympus Trip 35. It's got a cold shoe with a PC sync socket on the front of the camera. It's a zone scale focusing, not a rangefinder, and your ISO settings are from 10 to 400. It's it's a heavy can- little camera. It's 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 very solid. It's it's not like a you know it's not like a little plastic piece of junk. And this was made uh, in the 1960s. There really are beautiful little cameras, and it's called the Konica Eye. And the, it, the eye looks a little little strange. The, the, the logo. Okay, can I yeah. hold it? Take a look. And so I, I really. That weighty. It's weighty. It is weighty. Yes. Filming this? Yep, filming it. Oh. And so I, I I've had this for uh, maybe six, maybe eight months or something like that. And then I was I'd read about. Fed had another camera, had a half-frame camera called the Micron, which is pretty much a copy of the Konica Eye. And so I looked on the on the bay. I I I I. I I I. I looked on the bay and I found one for I don't know. I think it was a, a U.S. seller, and I think I paid about forty bucks for it. And again, it 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 is. It's not an exact copy of the Konica Eye in terms of um, finish, 
or um, all the little details and so forth, but it's certainly a copy of the eye in all respects. We've got the same kind of selenium cell going around, same type of lens, um, shutter speeds, everything is in the, in the same place. I'm not sure how they did this, but it's all, this one also has the Russian Olymp, the Moscow Olympic symbol on the front, which makes it even more valuable, I guess. But it's not, the finish isn't quite as nice in, in terms of the details as the, as the Konica. If you put them side by side, you can see some Definite differences in the top deck where everything is. Oh yes. How it's, and but everything else is in the same place. You know, it's a it's a pretty camera. It, both of them are, and so they're fun to they're fun to, to take around with you. And you might wonder why would you shoot half frame? Yeah. And because you get more pic, you get. And Matt's over there going, "Oh, why is he won't stop talking?" Oh. Yeah, thirty six exposure roll. What does that mean? Seventy, basically seventy two shots. So thrifty uncle. Uh, yeah, thrifty uncle. Well, if you were if you were going on a long trip somewhere, yeah, you could you know wouldn't have to take too many rolls of film with you. True that. And the thing is, because these are the way these cameras are, they tend to take pretty darn good pictures. I mean, they do. So the other thing to tell you about this is that if you are if you are planning to shoot half frame, take the time to do your own spooling and make up short rolls because then you finish up a roll of film really much quicker. Oh yeah. And if you want to also if you want to try out a film. You don't want to have to go, oh, my God, i got 40 more images to go until I'm done. Make it, make it a 12-exposure, 35-millimeter 12-exposure roll. You get 24 images on there, and that'll be fine. So that's one way to combat the, the fatigue of the endless roll syndrome on a, on a, mm-hmm. on a, on a half frame. And let's see, the, uh, the Micron, well, it's almost an exact copy was produced from 1967 to 86, so it's relatively recent. If you find these, a Fed Micron or a Konica Eye, take a look. I'm guessing that this the half-frame phenomenon or phase, curse, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> it was a, a point in time where it was popular and these cameras were made. Then it kind of lost favor. Yeah, yeah. So did photo finishers have to... Be set up in oh order God, to do. When half frame they would, in. Yeah, I mean they have the process and then make prints for people. So it was right. a special process. They, you could also buy half frame slide mounts. I had oh. those. Yeah, and they're eighteen by twenty four. When you see them, I have some at home with slides in them. It's and, a standard thirty five millimeter size slide. Yep. The outside uh, with a center made for the eighteen by twenty four, yeah. Leslie, you made a face too. <laughs> when you were in retail, <laughs> yeah. people would bring in film that was shot in half frame cameras. Yeah. The the because there was so little of it even at that point, even though they still made the golden half, they may still make the golden half. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Okay, I just have to reset the whole machine up <laughs> when you do the printing, the processing. You know, no one knows the difference. One roll follows yeah. another. Inevitably, people didn't shoot a lot of it, so the film was had a chance of being an emulsion that wasn't even current. So the pot was different. The pot is the settings that you use. Each like color pots. film has a pot. Uh, and a little <laughs> a little piece of dust was a big piece of dust. Okay. Mm-hmm. The other, yeah. th- the other thing, if you are scanning these in, yes, and you set your your scanner to auto for the frames, they don't know what to make about that because mm. you have to go in and individually 16. select the frames in the half frame yourself and, and have them scan them. So it's really just fun hobbyists. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a interesting. It's not as fiddly uh, obviously as the little sub miniatures. No, 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 not fiddly. Those think it is definitely not fiddly. And uh, it's it's a pretty you know it's there's a lot more choice of films. But it really did appeal to your thrifty uncle. Obviously, and, and oh, there yeah. were a lot of those people. Yeah, that's my uncle John. Yeah, yeah. But if yep. you like, I said, if you were on a and they take 
you know, the, the lenses tend to be kind of wide angle, and they're good for travel photography yes. and all that. So, you know. How, and you can do selfies with them, too, because, it, <laughs> you know, they can get pretty close. How often do you shoot half frame these days? I, I go into a phase. I'll, I'll bring this with me for a while on a trip, and, you know, and, and I'll shoot, you right. know, maybe a roll every once in a while. Um, I've only had this one, like I said, for like six months or so. And, I used to have a Pen D. Okay. And that was, a, again, it was heavy, robust camera like these. But I I found myself not shooting it a lot, and I sold it no, right. 10 years ago. And which two models do you have there again? The Konica I yes. and the Mi- Fed Micron. And they oh. are, one's a copy of the other. And have you ever shot with the Olympus version? Yes. Okay. Yes. Those are fun, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I w- in fact, if I had, if someone were to send me a, 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 a Pen F SLR, I'd be happy to shoot with it. Okay. Yeah. You're not getting mine. <laughs> well, very good. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be having a Minolta-thon. And we uh, don't talk too much about these Minolta cameras, or haven't, especially those 5,000, 7,000. Like, those Max. tend to get yeah brushed over. And then there's the oddball. What is that? What is the oddball camera right this in front guy? of Yeah, what is that I guy? I just love this. This is a Tower 39. We're going to talk about that when we come back. Your mother saw him coming out of that shop in Midsummer Market. Quick picks. Perhaps he was buying film. Film? Quick picks do not stock film. They are exclusively digital. It breaks my heart to think it. But Edward may have succumbed. love the film photography podcast show your support visit our online store at filmphotographyproject.com that's right your purchases at our store support this show what show (laughs) you're not only supporting the podcast but you're also supporting our ample giveaway programs just go to filmphotographyproject.com and click the store button good golly miss molly We're an official reseller of Kodak Alaris Films. That's right. Impossible Project Instant Films. Super amazing. And our very own FPP hand-rolled films. Most notably is the addition of Shmina Films. Shmina from Eastern Europe. Shmina FN64, photo 100, photo 200, photo 400, as well as Eastman Kodak black and white motion picture film. That's right. Such stocks as Eastman XX, Eastman High Contrast 5363, and the awesome Kodak Fine Grain 2366, filmphotographyproject.com. Hey, thanks. Let's get back to more show. Hey, we're back. I pro- did promise after uh, micro sub miniature that uh, for folks out there listening, you may not know, and, and you don't even have to be into gaming to oh. like the angry video game nerd. He's the angry video game nerd. Which I only found about out about maybe four or five months ago, and I've watched like all this guy's YouTube videos. He's just a funny man. And also, uh, uh, do you know how to basic? Do you know what that is? Uh, I 
think I've it's watched a, a few of them. It's like how to how to hard boil an egg, mm-hmm. but it's not what you think it is. So yeah. it looks like an instructional video. Yeah, and then the guy goes completely go crazy. Yeah, yeah. So there's one. If you type in YouTube, how to how to get rid of bed bugs, <laughs> how to get rid of bed bugs, you'll be very surprised at his method. Is it like burning down your house? Burn out. He yeah. Burns down. Burns the mattress. But no, before like putting ketchup on it, eggs. So nice. it's awesome. But angry video, angry video, game nerd. Game nerd, also known as Cinemassacre. AVGN. AVGN. But then Cinemassacre. Cinemassacre. Um, Board James. That's the okay. other series he has. So this yeah. guy James has been on the air since. Before YouTube, yeah, he's pre-YouTube. So yeah. 2003, 2004, mm-hmm. and he does video game reviews. And I don't, I'm not a gamer. I don't play games, but they're so entertaining and so funny because he goes into such detail of how shoddily some of these games are made that I, I find myself just, you know, on YouTube you watch it, and then when it ends, it goes to like the next video. Mm-hmm. I just sit there and watch for. You hours. could watch it for hours. Yeah. Yeah. What I like about uh, his style is, well, Mike, first, thank you for having this topic so I can stop being so angry. Like, I'm not an angry person. I'm not. I just, Submini brings out the worst in me. And Leslie knew that very early on. That's why she would often push that little roly or a penny E in my face (laughs) and, like, force me to, like, shoot it and kind of understand it. And then I could hate it. Knowing what I had to do to go through it, he had reason to. Yes, yes. So now I just hate it more. Step away from the Uh, But this this calms me down. Um, (laughs) No, I love AVGN. He comes at it from a like he's definitely a you know child of the child of the eighties, so mid eighties, late eighties, and he comes at it from that perspective of an enthusiast. But he's kind of like the living embodiments, the the caricature of the angry Amazon review. Yeah, the funny angry Amazon review. But he just does like he takes it. To the nth degree in a video. It's awesome. He does. Uh, yeah. The best ones, if you are an FPPer that enjoys video games or enjoys people just ranting about video games, his review of the, uh, the original E.T. Atari game. It's one of his most famous videos. I mean, they, he even got a movie deal. Oh, Making yes. a movie just about that. Yes. And isn't there also uh, this review of Do- uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde video Dr. Game? Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is a very good one. Yep. That was a terrible NES game. Uh, he also did a good one for um, Castlevania series, especially the second Castlevania game, Simon's Quest. It was a terrible yes. game. Um, but he also does he also does the board games where he reviews old like Mattel, Parker Brothers games. Oh, I, see, uh, I did not know that. Oh, no, they're very good. And, of course, I love his reviews of universal horror films. Mm-hmm. And they're great because he's a huge fan, greatly appreciative of them, but calls it out when they're crap. Yes. Oh, he has another really good review. He reviews every, like, the whole genre of those Tiger Electronics, like, LCD games that, like, oh. you give to kids for car rides in the 80s yeah. and 90s. Yes. Like, he reviews all of those in one lump sum, just, he's red-faced the whole time. Um, like me talking, it's like if I was reviewing miniature cameras. <laughs> like, you had to do it. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, power oh, through it. that'd be a good video for you to do. Oh God! <laughs> you do it, uh, you do it uh, angry video game nerd style. Yes. Review of just, half frame and sub miniature. There, there really is like I've had nightmares, like legit nightmares, where Sin of where where, no, where no cameras were available. None of my other stuff was working, and the only camera I had to shoot this event is 
a half frame and I load it up with 36 exposures and then I'm at the very end of the roll I'm about to f- complete this wedding I think it was a wedding I had to shoot and then I hear it and the film breaks oh. in the advance <laughs> and I'm like ah, and that, then I wake up that's my nightmare well folks out there look up angry video game nerd if you want to see some, you know if you want to see some if this is horror reviews uh, cinemassacre c i n e m a s s a c r e then just type in like universal mummy or frankenstein they're great and they're they're really very good and that was our our break thanks mike yeah no problem matt uh, now, Leslie has... I want to hold that camera. Something... Tower... <laughs> I, I I mean, I couldn't even believe it. The is that Tower a, of Power. Is that a 127 camera? No! This is 35 millimeter. But let me get into that. Okay. There you go. What is it called? This is called the Tower 39 Automatic 35. It looks like an easy-bake oven. Tower. Sears. Sears. But nice. Is it filming this? Uh, yes. Oh. Um... I always like to bring something historically interesting, and this is it, for today, anyway. Um, Mamaya made this camera. Really? Wow. And it was the first 35-millimeter camera with a built-in flash in Japan, except it's a built-in flash, but it takes AG1 peanut bulbs. So, yes, it's a built-in flash. It was not an electronic. Mm. In the United States, you've got the utility manufacturing company in New York that we have talked about, the Spartus Press Flash. Mm-hmm. That was in 1934. So that was our first built-in flash camera. I feel like if it's any older, there'd have to just be a candle in there, and it's a, it's a lighter <laughs> that lights go. it up for you. Fact, if you want to take so a peek at the, spre- the Spartus Press Flash, which I've shot with. I like that camera. It's, it's very unique. It looks like a coal miner's lamp. <laughs> uh, episode 101, 101, April 15, 2014. Probably still haven't paid my taxes for that year. <laughs> anyway, I have the Sears version of that Mamaya, and uh, they called it, as we mentioned, the Tower 39. The Tower 39 oh, Automatic 35. Ugh. When I first saw it, I thought it was a 127, and I have a brownie... Super 27, and I love it. Just love it. It's not. It's 35 millimeter. And the flash is on the side. It is not over top of the lens, which makes it (laughs) very unique. I think my camera just was violated. (laughs) So, introduced in 1960, the flash is mentioned. This is the first built-in flash, and it takes a flash bulb. takes two double A's to, to fire it. In 61, they introduced the Tower 41. I have no idea where the Tower 40 went. Mm. It was a controlled demolition. That could be. <laughs> but what they, what they added to it... Flash on here, this cute, this bulb flash, but they put a cold shoe and a post on it to plug a flash in. But oh, they weird. still Set left this oh, on man. here, oh, which weird. I think was weirdness. Yeah. So it looks like something Argus would have made. It does. I it's just, very. I just you know, it's very really slammed onto this right away. I really like this. The design of it. Uh, there's a kind of a ledge 
where the uh, lens housing is that holds all of your controls. You've got an ASA, ISO setting of 10 to 200. Okay. What more do you need? That 10 can, for Kodachrome, yeah. 200 for Tri-X. I feel like the only thing it doesn't have is like an egg timer on the side of it. This feels like the car of tomorrow, but a camera. <laughs> We could stick on one of those Polaroid ones. Perfect. That you wind yes. up. It would be complete then. It's got a Seiko shutter in it. Ooh, that's Ooh. all right. Those are good. The shutter speeds are weird. Uh, there's a, a Seiko. Fly- it's, it yeah. says flash. And so that's a 40th of a second. Then there's a 60th. Then there's a BL setting, backlight. But it's really a 100th of a second. And then it does go to 1 to 150th of a second. It's controlled by a little tab on the bottom. You read it through the top. It has selenium metering. In my case, it has died. Oh. But it has kind of f-stops, except they're AVs. AVs? They're AVs. Mm. AVs going from 3.8 to 9. 3.8, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. The way, the way beginning photo students believe f-stops should work. And they do, they do at least... Kindly run in the same order that the 3.8 or the smaller numbers are the bigger openings. So you can kind of you can kind of guess it out with that. Focusing Mamaya lens, very nice, mm-hmm. 45 millimeter, 3.8, not too shabby. Little triplet lens. Focus down to three feet, 0.9 meters. Lens is guesstimate. It turns, but it is a mm. guesstimate. But there are indents on here. There's like three indents. So if you kind of get used to them, they're clicking into our common system of one bloke, three blokes. Mountains. And mountains, yes, Fantastic. exactly. Yep, so that's on there too. The design, I think the design is, it's kind of, it's very chunky. It's very square. Mm-hmm. It's very clean though, especially when you get to the top. Because when you get to the top, we, ha- we don't have to put shutter speeds and f-stops on it. They're already on the face of the camera. Nice bright line viewfinder, parallax correction if you're close. Only on the top you have a thumb film advance, the rewind, mm-hmm. and the shutter button. On the bottom, yes. On the bottom you have push up the button to release the film. This is 35 millimeter. Mm-hmm. We have a flash bulb release. Once you shoot it, pop the bulb out and tripod socket. Oh, oh. cat! Hold on. Does it work? <laughs> Please continue. Now the back door. All, all, all along, I'm getting this camera, and uh, on the very back, I finally figure out, without going to Butkus and getting a manual, kind of have to dig a fingernail in here <laughs> to get this door open to get the two AA batteries Thank in. Thank God it takes AA Double batteries. Double A's for the flash. Thank God. Fired right up, fired the bulb. Hmm. Now the big struggle. How do you get the back open to put the film in? Ask it nicely. There's no clippy-dippy things on the side. It's not a matter of pulling up the rewind. It is a hoot. On the viewfinder, you have to kind of raise up the viewfinder and the back pops open. I wouldn't because I have exposed film in there. But that's the most, I think, novel part about wow. that. And you know things, you know, like, such as the Lubitel from many, many moons ago. You know, something, I just hated that Lubitel. Now, see, to me, that makes this camera Charming. It's unique. That's it's for just sure. very charming. So I, I'm not too sure that I'll fish out the 41, but um, 
I love the design. I love its little quirkiness. I will soon have a roll of film through it, full frame 35. If you look one up, you'll understand why I think, or we all thought here it takes 127, simply yeah, because of the look of it. Big. It's unique for 35 not having your flash over the top. Mm-hmm. I saw the camera, went to the bay. I had, it's, it's not a rare camera. There aren't a ton of them to choose from, though. But it doesn't make it rare, nor did it affect the price. But even though you don't see many of them, and this, this thing's heavy. That's heavy. It is. Oh. 20 bucks shipped. It's like a brick. A lot of times. Not mm-hmm. expensive. But it is, it is a, it's a great camera if you like them. Historically fun. Fun to shoot with. And um, because it does have an auto mode for the selenium meter, there is an override to it. So it is still a usable camera. So it, it's a little C3 brickish in look, yeah, in a really way. Is. What's Except, it called again? This is called the Tower 39. It's like the brick if it actually had a design. (laughs) (laughs) I I loved it. And it's just, you know, I put it away for a while. I thought, damn it, how do I get this back open? I'm looking around, looking around. Getting the back open is the most unique thing. It's this little viewfinder piece here. Pong, and it goes. On the back, there's a little screwed-in flash guide. little adjustable wheel here for your Mm. distance. Mm -hmm. So you know where to set everything for the distance for your flash bulb shots. I don't know why that didn't fire. And that's pretty much uh, the tower for me. I'm towered out. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Have you shot with it? I have a roll of film in it right now. First time? First time. Did this recently come in the door? Didn't or- come in the door. I hunted this down. Oh, I hunted it Where down. did you first find it? Uh, I belong to a group on Facebook, I believe, called Vintage Cameras. Okay. Dang it. Sometimes they're really bad for me because those guys will come up with some great stuff so when you when you saw that you're like i have to have gotta one have these. one gotta have one yep. so if you the, sometimes it's hundreds of dollars gotta have one. the flash the flash bulbs are working it it did now uh, this one i'm going so to take out if the flash bulb's working then that's you don't have to worry about the meter or anything because you're using a flash bulb right well you do because distance okay Mm-hmm. so use the guide on the back um you know it's a very very odd looking camera i have to tell you that's very strange looking like I have to, I would put that in the category of what were they thinking? I mean, of all the cameras made, I think wh- this is kind of fun too. Is the flip? <laughs> yes, the little clear plastic did, flip to. Did you say 1960? 1960. So unnecessary to make this camera. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then in '61, introduced the same camera, but glue a cold shoe on it. Oh, and put goodness. a post on it to plug in your flash and leave this on here. Yep. Eh. Yeah, it, eh. it's as if, if you look at that, it definitely looks like an Argus brick, but with some de- actual design elements applied. Well, the fact that this was sold in Sears, I mean, so the the company that made this, which was? Mamaya. I mean, they this they wanted this to be a mass-produced, popular a populist camera. Right. <laughs> you know, people who shopped the Sears catalog would buy, hey, we need a camera. Right. There must have been better options than this. In 1960? Yeah. How about a Kodak? But you didn't have to carry a separate flash unit. Oh. So, see, that was that little... This is the first built-in flash unit. This is the first Japanese, not the first American. Okay. The first American, though, was also not 35 millimeter. Oh, it was like a Kodak 127, maybe? It was a 1934 utility company. 
company in, um, when you edit this, you'll think it sounds awfully familiar because I already talked about this. It was uh, the utility manufacturing the Spartus Press Flash. Okay. So oh, I, I have oh. fired with Sometimes this. Sometimes you have to take the, the, do you ever take the pins out with your? Yes, and just give them a little arrange. Like separate them a little bit. Yep. So I'll try it. Hmm. Get a little. Keep out of here. I uh, this uses those peanut bulbs AG one. Mm-hmm. Yes. I I shoot so many cameras that uses the peanut mm-hmm. AG ones. I love them. I mean, don't put them. Don't have them around small children or pets. <laughs> yeah. Yep. What would your dog? Uh, would your dog eat that? Oh, in a heartbeat. Oh, jeez. Zilla's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see this AG one pop. Oh, it yeah. did. Ah. You want another bulb? Can you I t- do not. Can you? T- I have another bulb. Can you take a like? It's filming there. Yeah. So will you take my picture? I'm cheap. <laughs> take my, my picture. picture. <laughs> now, folks listening, when you get flash bulbs, oh the dots. I don't think there's a difference, but Leslie disagrees, which is fine. You just had a blue bulb, and yes. I give you a white bulb. What? Yes. Who cares? Oh, do you? Care? I want to use blue for color. Okay. Yeah. Daylight. Daylight. And black what, and white. You have black and white in there. I have black and okay. white in here, so yes. So, no diff, yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't right. matter. I will now allow you to make my picture. Thank you. Oh! Boy, Success! That it's Success. so... Bl- what kind of film do you have in there? I wish I remembered. Oh. If it's black and white, do you think it's... What would you guess? Oh. I just want to know if it's... the ISO for 160. Do you think it's retrochrome 160? Never. Portra. Okay. When do I- We're going to find out. How many exposures do you have left? According to this, uh, I have taken 14. Don't get out of town. Yeah. So you've been shooting with that? Yeah. Around town in Finlay, Ohio? Around, uh, I think, even Arcadia. Oh. <laughs> of course, I went to a car show, shot with a little bit. You know, folks listening, you know, while Leslie was um, talking about this camera, I will admit that I, I kept... T- I kept bugging. I'm like, let me. Can I have the camera? Can I have the camera? Because I was putting, oh, my, I was putting my, I was putting my Samsung Galaxy, which is this is not uncommon. I see it all the time. I'm like, I grow. I'm like, ugh. You take your your cell phone, you put it through the viewfinder, yep. and you take a picture through it, and it gives you kind of an old timey looking picture. Yep. That's yeah, hugely right. popular, right? Very popular. It is the viewfinder. Here's yeah. the open. That's stupid. <laughs> viewfinder. Through the viewfinder. That's how you open the back up. Oh, and ah, drum roll, please. I put some Kentmere 100 in. Very nice. So I may have messed with and this a little bit as I was the, talking. The dot is still burnt, burnt in your retinas. Burnt in my retinas. Oh, yeah. Our, our, since, since, oh, since, fla- since flash bulbs were so popular in the 60s, is any eye damage done? By no. The eye damage came from Dad when he had that big... Light oh. bar and oh. and the Ugh. movie camera. Why did that cause light damage? Because that was like so the sun on oh. a stick. Yeah, and you, and doesn't it isn't just a quick flash? No, right. it's just no. I'm not saying there really was. Okay. I was just joking with that. It just seemed like it. It just seemed like it. Hey, when we come back, we're going to be talking about Minolta cameras. Some stuff we never talked about before, which is great. I want to remind folks out there uh, to write to us, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. If you have any wacky or strange cameras that you've shot with... Send them to me. Oh. No. (laughs) And I think that Mark O'Brien is going to have a book, too, called The Quizzical Eye. Yep. That looks like a 1960s book. It's not. Okay, it's not. All right. (laughs) We'll be right back. Welcome to the 78th Luxton Deeping Photographic Society Annual Exhibition. The Society was founded by my grandfather, Caspar Madrigal. 
with the aim of promoting the art of film photography. That is to say, photographic images produced without the intervention of computers. Fine examples of which can be seen on the walls all around you. Ladies and gentlemen, those old farts over there would have us living in the 20th century forever. Well, this is the 21st century, yeah, folks, yeah. and times, they are a-changing. That's why we formed the Luxton Digital Camera Club. As of today, join us and join the 21st century. Show some bloody manners, Bright. This isn't the time or the place. It's the tree hugger. Give us a smile, Lionel. <laughs> Hey, we're back. While Leslie's uh, rummaging through a bag, why don't we do a quick book review? Now, nah, let's do a camera review. No, let's do the book. How about the camera? Book, camera, book, camera, camera, book, camera, book, 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 camera, 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 book, 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 camera, camera, book, 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 All right. I picked this up at a recent book sale. Did you pay for it? <laughs> uh, I paid three dollars for it. Two dollars. Three dollars. Three dollars. And when you say a book sale, like um, every year, the the Ann Arbor Division of the uh, let's see Correct. American Association of University Women has a book sale at Washtenaw Community College, and so I always go there looking for photo books. And I saw this one, and I thought it's called The Quizzical Eye: The Photography of Rondell Partridge. And I go, God, Ron. Partridge sounds like an interesting name I've Partridge, heard before. Yeah, the Partridge family. No, no, this is a different Partridge family. Keith. And it was written by Elizabeth Partridge and Sally Stein. And I'm going, why does this name seem familiar? Well, Rondell Partridge was the son of Roy Partridge and Imogen Cunningham. No. So can you imagine My having fault. Imogen Cunningham as your as your mom, right? Oh yeah, I can. Sister Imogen. And so it's overview of his photography over the years. He was a fiercely independent artist. He spent seven decades building a body of work that reflects his ascetic integrity, eccentric temperament, and fascination with every aspect of the world around him. The result is a visual history like no other. The changing landscapes of the Yosemite National Park and the San Francisco Bay Area. It's got striking images from rodeos, junkyards, and flea markets, and an amazing assembly of still lifes, portraits, and unclassifiable but arresting compositions. And he was the son of the celebrated photographer Imogen Cunningham, and he apprenticed to Dorothea Lang and Ansel Adams. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got three icons of photography in, as you're growing up, and you think, I'm thinking, oh my gosh. He raised a family. It, they lived in uh, California. He was... An independent freelance photographer. He had offers to do various work for various people, but he did a lot of architectural photography and so on. And he and he, there were times when they barely could make the rent, and other times um, they, they lived near Berkeley. And so the daughters talk about you know all their friends lived in these nicely manicured ho- homes with nicely manicured lawns and all that. And they're and and she said she used to sneak down in the dark room when, when her dad was making prints, and she just loved watching him work. And he would bring out a stool so she could sit and watch him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm thinking these kids had an enriching life experience that most kids will never have. But I really like the images in here. He he did have a breadth of photography. Um, his work is. 
I, I say impeccable. It's, it's really good. But the fact he, he worked with these other people um, in his formative years is just amazing. And so he has photographs he took when Dorothea Lang was going out during the WPA years and doing the workout on the pea pickers and all that. And he was along, and assi- he assisted her. But my favorite story in here is when... He worked for he worked for Ansel Adams. They had worked together on a project, and Ansel went, was supposed to go to some society to get an award. Well, Ron Partridge helped him a lot on that. He probably should have gone along too. And Ansel says, "No, I'm going by myself." <laughs> and so he came back, and they were staying in Yosemite or whatever. And and uh, and Ansel was pretty. Pretty well, three sheets of the wind when he got back. Oh, and so um, I didn't know Ansel was a drinker. Oh, he was a drinker. Oh, and uh, so uh, he told Ron Partridge, "Would you uh, take off my shoes so I can just go to bed?" Because he was too <laughs> too beat to do it. So Partridge tied his shoelaces together. <laughs> so when when Ansel got up in the morning, he fell, got out of bed, and fell flat on his face, and he got fired. <laughs> <laughs> they still remain friends, but they, they had different work aesthetics and all that. But it's a fascinating book. It was published, I believe, in 19... Let's see. Uh, 2003. Wow. And um, it was published by the, by the um, California Historical Society Press. And so I believe it's still available on Amazon. But it's a really nice book. And I just love seeing someone's life... Uh, life work. He did a lot of rodeo shooting back in the day until um, one of the rodeo riders was so was killed, and after oh. that he couldn't do any do it again. Um, it was just too much for him. It, it covers many decades of work, and uh, it's 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 just it's it's pretty pretty darn worthwhile to take a look at it. And uh, if you can find a copy, I, I really suggest suggest getting a copy. Very good. Thank you very much, Mark. You're welcome. Okay. Let's let's do some. Minolta-ing. All right. Before I even get into it, it's very common to see the, t- the, the I don't say the term, but the letters AF <laughs> after everything today. Yeah, right. And we all know what that means. It is not autofocus. We here, as many of the listeners have grown up, referring to AF lenses. Mm-hmm. They are, as not said, as effed. They're <laughs> autofocus. So I found this all rather humorous. And I believe, Mike, you told me you know of a way to do this. Yes. I did think it was funny. They're, they put it on t shirts. I watch a guy called J.P. Sears. Um, <laughs> do you know J.P. Sears? Yes. Also Isn't spiritual he great? Life, yeah. Oh, he is. And he's, you know, vegan, but his shirt says vegan AF on it. Everything yes. is AF. He's so funny. He's serious, but he's getting his point across. So I decided to go down to the local printing place and have a Minolta AF shirt done. And it wasn't quite ready. Their machine puked on them before I left. Oh, is that why you made that post? Yes, that's exactly it. So it is done. It looks really slick. If Minolta were really still in business, I might get sued over it because they actually use the O in Minolta logo. That's right. They're just Sony now. That's right. And underneath it says AF. And I, I'm going to have one of these done, and we're going to use it as a giveaway. Oh, so I like that. So Mike will determine the giveaway. He'll give me the address. I'll mail it out from Findlay, Ohio for you. So you would need to send an email to us, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com, and the subject line should be... Minolta AF t-shirt? There you go. And what about size? How are we handling that? Um, I only had one size printed, I think, because it's probably an inexpensive t-shirt. 
I think I had an XL done. So if you're an XL, apply. Yep. If not. And send your birth date, your marital status, and um, I don't know, maybe your blood type and your bank account. And we'll make some choices from there. If you're not XL, um, you could like wear it as a sleeping shirt. Absolutely. Yeah, this is hang out. Sure. Do the wash day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Michael let me know at that point. But uh, now we're going to roll into the, the Maxim... AF. <laughs> well, um, this Minolta seven thousand Maxim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Referred to as the first autofocus camera. Not even close. <laughs> 1960, 1973, Leica patented an array of autofocus and corresponding sensor techniques. In 76, uh, they presented their autofocus arrays at Photokina. Mm-hmm. 78, they displayed an SLR with it. Konica then used that technology with permission and produced the Konica 35 AF point-and-shoot camera oh, right. in 77. And who else beat us to the punch for autofocus SLR? Wait, wait, uh, wait. You've wait. got this. You've got this. Near and dear to your heart. Canon. Polaroid. <laughs> uh, yes. Polaroid. Sonar, but it's autofocus. Yeah. It's true. Pentax ME... F body. It's like right. M- F. 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 Motorized lens. Tricky. In 81. Oh. Nikon F3AF. Right. There That's you go. It's a funky camera. Yeah. It's a funky camera. With only funky two lenses. Hat. The 180 and it what's the other one? Four Minolta. Yeah. Oh, it's an 80. Oh, it's an 80? Is that, it's so big. I think yeah. It's Some of those required. Batteries in, in the, the lens. lens. Yep. The motor was in the lens. Crazy. In 85, Minolta had their first autofocus SLR, interchangeable lens system. It had AF sensors and the drive in the body. Simply made electrical contact through contacts in the mount. It made the lens look like a regular lens. It kept the lens size small. It allowed them to offer a huge system family of lenses rather than just as matt said they only made two so it was not it definitely was not the first autofocus but i consider really the first flagship this was the flagship for af cameras this is the first mass-produced consumer and professional successful and accepted af system because it was a system and all of that boils down to the fact they kept that motor in the body and every and it operated the lens without being big and bulky, no motor, no batteries. My particular uh, Maxim 7000 came from an OMM. Now you know I have done DMD, Dead Men Darkroom. <laughs> this is an OMM, which is an old man moving, and he he bribed me. He said, "Hey, I got some cameras if you want them. Just come over to the house and get them." I get over there, and there were penalty boxes. 
So I got this, and he shot NASCAR stuff with this. I think consumer, but still. There was a, I think maybe just a high 8 video camera and four tubs of VHS pre-recorded videotape. Oh. To get one, I had to take them all. No problem. I took them and just delivered all those videotapes to Mr. Michael Rosso. Just some good stuff in there. Good. I'm, and as you said, clean. Clean. So, yep, not bad. So that's where mine came from, and it kind of brought it all back to me. I sold these cameras when they were new. Very classic 35. This also, too, has the built-in motor drive. Very few of them did at that time. So advancing the film. It has typical program, aperture, shutter priority, manual. Flash was not built in yet. It took a standard shoe. You could put a 283 on here, Mm -hmm. Vivitar 283. But they also had about a three or four different flash system which helped because if it had trouble seeing it sent out a little beam and it helped the lens focus and big 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 this is the first time this is the a mount Mm -hmm. still used today on sony sony digital cameras because sony bought out minolta that's interesting so i shot Minolta Maxim, not this particular one, for quite a while. I had some rather exotic lenses. It wasn't your favorite than 9,000? I that? actually like the 600 SI. Okay. That's really my favorite. You get this, I got the big Sony Alpha later on. Mm-hmm. I can use all of my exotic lenses on them. It is a freaking miracle that they survived. And it's not because there were problems with the camera. They were legal. The first thing that happened mm-hmm. is they wrote the word Maxim. And they crossed the two X's over. They did so. <laughs> Exxon said, right. uh-uh, this is not happening. That is part of our trademark. That is a no, uh-uh. That You're is not shocking. How did Exxon even find out about How it? How did they find out, and who the hell didn't know if they were buying a tank of gas or a camera? <laughs> that they confused it or associated it. Called busting chops. It's well, amazing what you can get a trademark for yep. anywhere. Yeah. Big Daddy Oil won. Oh yeah. And we could sell the cameras that we had in stock. There was not necessarily a recall. We could sell what we had in stock, but we could not get any more until all the face the plates were changed and they took those covers off and remade them. All right. And everybody wanted this camera. They were asking for Which it. They one? wanted with the, the 7000. Okay. They wanted the 7000 and we didn't have them or nor did anyone else. Okay, got it done. And who comes knocking at their door? Who? Honeywell. Oh, okay. Honeywell. And they said, "You infringed on our AF no way. patent, huh. our autofocus patent." Can't cut a break. Can't cut a break. In 1991, Honeywell, it went that long from 85 to 91, Honeywell received, well, they won an award for $127.6 million settlement. Ooh. Minolta had to pay that That's to Honeywell. That's so crazy. That's for a, a company that never known. innovated anything. Except the thing on your wall to adjust your... Yeah, uh, I know, yeah. really. Well, and... Big flash unit. And they suck their name out of people's cameras. Yeah. Honeywell, mm-hmm. Pentax, and yep. so on. So, yeah. So, Some bitches. You got this delay yeah. in production. You got this big old fat IOU to Honeywell. They survived and they flourished, which is just, I think, amazing. $127.6 million. I think right now, if I wrote a check for that, it bounced. 
I mean, that, that's a lot today. That's, that's a, a lot. Ton then, yeah. At that point, Olympus introduces the OM seventy seven AF. Dog. It was. It, uh, I love Olympus. Dog. It was a dog. This this was the king of the crop. The customers loved this camera. Um, they loved it because they had an array of lenses. That's what made this so successful. Is this system fact? The um, pros. Yeah, they're not going to trust it yet. They're simply not going to trust yeah, this. That, we don't know but, about the AF stuff. But what they did use it for, this was fantastic if you had stringers to shoot or if you were shooting weddings and you had your little backup guys go along, you could give them this and the success rate was much higher. Focus, you got to nail the focus. You can, you can get some auto exposure and they're good to go. You're doing the main stuff. They're picking up great stuff, but it's going to be in focus. So that's why the pros liked it, not necessarily as their shooters, but as their backup. And they would come in, and I would know them. I'm thinking, really? Uh Uh-huh. I need two or three of them. They just go in the system, and Joe Schmo. Oh, this also used AAA batteries. Love it. Triple A's. Triple A's, I think I put a little note on here. The AAA holder fits into the grip, nice and neat and complete. Did 17 to 25 rolls of film. Beautiful. It wasn't powering a flash. It was doing a wind, so they did very well. Some thought maybe that was a little too minuscule. So they introduced a double A holder. Unscrew this one, put the double A in. No modification needed. That brought you up to 43 to 65 rolls on four double A's. Very smart of them. DX codes. Nice range, 25 to 6,400. Override. You put a flash on. It didn't allow you to set the DX beyond 1,000. You didn't need a flash. You only use 1,000 or less. <laughs> and it had, okay, a, WC. it had a program shift on here. Wide angles and 50 millimeters shifted in the program mode its exposure equivalents. It would allow you to use longer shutter speeds Mm. you put a tally on of course you need a little bit faster to help with your own shake it knew that and it would limit and change the exposure equivalents that you were using automatic exposure times 30 seconds to one two one two one two thousandths of a second of course in bulb bulb would go for hours on the triple A's, bulb went as long as you had power, which could be four hours. Well, that's interesting. Bulb would go to, I think it was six, eight hours if you had the double A's in. So it wasn't, it was pretty sweet. Star trails, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Inside a cave. Inside a cave. Everything on the surface of it is marked so nicely to make your changes, to to change between uh, manually setting ISO, plus and minus override. Menu on the top, hold it down and change it. Another feature I liked on this camera that got eliminated very quickly later on was the rewind. It would get to the end and it would not automatically rewind. It told you it was at the end. So if I was using this for a wedding, I can step out of the chapel because it makes a sound, rewind it, load it up, go back in where it's quiet, not get... 
the evil eye. Yes, uh, a lot of um, amateur shooting got the evil eye because they were using 35 millimeter point shoots, and then, and of course, in the church, the big echo. So you hear that all the time. Crazy man. Yep, very crazy man. <laughs> so. I hadn't really thought about it in a long time, but getting this from the OMM just brought back how successful this camera was. What a rough start. Um, the innovations in it, the resting your finger on the shutter button activates, you know, with this touch sensor. Later on, they went to the grip sensor. Mm-hmm. This just fires everything up. And the innovation that was in this and the success that was in this had to make Minolta pretty damn proud. Um, what a success. So they modified this. Of course, updates. Minolta liked to do updates every two years. So eventually we get the 7,000i, 5,000. They would add other models. Then this thing's pretty beefy and squared off. They got lighter weight. They... Um, changed the colors on them, made them a little bit more for the amateur market as well. And um, Mark O'Brien has one of those cameras here today. This is a one of the newer. Um, we did talk about that, the being the the flash, the flash being a standard shoe. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And this having the matching shoe, dedicated shoe throughout the beam, if you needed. Had trouble focusing. Shoe. Shoe. Yeah. Hot shoe. The nice thing, too, you could use the flashes if you had a Minolta X700 with this flash. Like you said, or a Vivitar 283. Uh, Yeah. And that's what a lot of them, they were wedding people. They knew that. Set it and go. They were were very good with the flash technology. Mm Mm-hmm. Earlier this year, I got interested in Minolta autofocus maxims. I think partly is because Leslie has such, been such an ardent proponent of them over the years, and I thought, you know, I should play around with these. I need to be knowledgeable about them. Great, if people get an excuse to buy another camera. <laughs> of course, of course, and you know, and people say, well, I, you know, I'm what should my students use? And I can say, you know, well, there's. Different lens mounts up there. What are they using now? Well, maybe they're using Sony Alphas. Well, gee, then you need to get a Minolta Maxim. So a while back, I picked up a, a Maxim 5, and, and I had a, a QTSI. And more recently, I, I picked up this XTSI, or I call it the Ecstasy. Uh, it's a, it's a full-featured um, auto Minolta Maxim autofocus SLR. It's got all the modes you can think of. It's um, it's got this one has eye start as well. Um, it's got sensors on the grip. You can set all your settings via the thumb wheel and the, uh, the on the top deck with it with your little switches and, or your little knob and the and the function switch here. And the other thing I like about it, you can it's got a button in the back for autofocus because how often you see people they're doing this. But you can sit with it here in the back, and your finger's actually not even on the shutter button. You can focus, back focus, and then there you go. Is there film in there? Yeah, there's film in there. I put a roll of the double um, X. Nice. It's a fairly plastic-bodied camera, but it's very light. It's you can you've got a button for setting your compensation really handy on on the on the base of the lens. You can set your program mode if you want just by pushing the P, but then you can go to the function for the, your other modes, for P, A, S, M, and, and, and make your choices there, whether you want it as uh, aperture priority, shutter priority, or manual. In essence, as a full-featured SLR, it's fairly small, so if you've got small hands, I think it fits in there very nicely, but the grip feels good. 
and I picked this up on an online auction. It looks like it's brand new. It came with an external Minolta flash. Now Minolta changed their flash their flash connector to a uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Whatever Minolta called it. I'll tell you what it was called. Pain in the butt. Bastards. Yeah. <laughs> but do you know what in the in the audio world to say that something is a bastard connector is not cussing. Right. So is that is that normal. flash connector survived now in the Sony no, world? No, thank God. It's a proprietary shoe. When Sony bought out the rights to the Minolta line, part of the contract was that they were going to uh, they were going to phase it out, but they still had to have it for a certain number of years. Yep. So it remained on Sony Alpha cameras as until as recently as 2014. No kidding. Yeah, they do make adapters. adapters. Yes, thank I goodness. Have an adapter, I don't know. Yes. Do they? Is it still offered, or is it strictly secondary? Um, it is still... There's the FS1100 and the FS1000. It's new old stock if you do the actual Sony one, but uh, ProMaster makes one. It's like 20 bucks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I got okay. one online. It cut, didn't cost me very much. No. So it's got a pop-up flash, of course, a little fill flash. So you can, and So this came with in a bag with the camera. A, uh, I think it was a um, Sigma 28 to 90 lens, mm-hmm. and the, the matching Minolta, fl- really nice Minolta flash. I think I paid uh, 20 bucks, including shipping. Wow! For so you know, there you go. It, it, it's a it, lot of bang it, for the buck. It, it, it out really there is. And when these were new, they were five or six hundred dollars. Not, not those. Not the, not the XTSIs. Okay, mm-hmm. but they were certainly probably more than uh, 20. Uh, 20 na- uh, Probably right under the three hundred mark. Right 300? In a kit okay. with that short okay. zoom. So yeah. Do these lenses fit on modern? Oh, thank you. Yes. Do these yes. lenses fit on modern Sony digital cameras? Yes, they yes. Do. Sony Alpha. Alphas. The SLR with the translucent mirror. They Get work on those. Town. They don't work on the mirrorless. Well, mm-hmm. you can buy an adapter for like yep. two fifty, and it works on the mirrorless too. What about the Minolta seven thousand series? Different? No. Get out of town. Backward compatible to that date, yeah. right yep. there. So I'm um, guess is the Alpha not a popular camera? It's not that it's not. Their mirrorless cameras are the most their most popular line that they've ever manufactured. So you know, I, I use an Alpha because of that. Okay, and you can get lenses for cheap. I, and since Sony makes the sensors anyways, they're you know they're mm-hmm. they're quite good. So. And the uh, and I've seen uh, people don't give the Sony. Alpha SLRs in general a lot of love because it says Sony on the front, right, and not Canon or Nikon. That's and uh, but that the thing is they have a full frame camera, digital world, yep. so you could use your old um, film lenses on there and be not even skip a beat if you wanted to. Wanted to. Did Sony also buy Konica? Uh, no, Konica's. Casino. Right, but they just, oh. they're just do, they just do copies. For a while, now. it was Minolta Konica. Exactly, Konica and Minolta. Bought Minolta yeah. Or yeah. The, and, and it was called Konica Minolta. Yeah. And but, then it went. But Konica just totally makes bust. copiers and things like that now. Totally bust. So what you got? Oh. that's my re- that's our that's our joint that's report. Our joint report. I'm, I'm a Maxim fan now. You know, I really uh, they're a lot of fun to shoot. They are. And this has got a 24 to 85 lens on it. It pretty much covers lens the range. to watch for. The lens original to- series was called the 2885 beer can lens. Oh yeah. Mine just bit the dust, and I knew they were sought after. Crap. Thank they you, Mark. Expensive. Thank You're you, welcome. Mark. This is a package addressed to me from Vincent Uber. He is in Japan, and since there's lots of Japanese writing on here, I don't know what it is, so I'll let Matt pull it out. 
I thought just it was in, just in case it's food. Well, he's, in Niga, he's in Niigata. Okay. I thought it was going to be food, but <laughs> it's but clearly, I <laughs> think yeah. I, I think it's not going to be food. What is it? Oh no, it's not. Well, if well, it is, it's well it's packaged in something that says Olympus. <gasps> not takimas. <laughs> and then it says micro. And then it says daylight. And then it says twenty exposure, one dozen. Uh oh. What is this? Oh wait, no, it's a box. It's just a box because it's sealed with tape. The box is cool. Yeah, it's a yeah, cool it is. box. Well, it's taped on the it's side got too. More tape on That's the side. The old, um, where scissors or can if little scissors go? Oh, well, the, the ones in front of you. <laughs> what are those? Uh, those are a little slap happy. Those barber scissors. No. What kind of scissors are those? Probably a like sewing beauty original beauty yeah. scissors. Because they have the little, the little fl- this thing yeah. flips out. Oh, uh, yeah. What is that? Why is that? I don't know. Thumb rest. Oh, thumb rest. What is in here? I don't know. Oh, mystery of life. Oh. What do we got? Like mailing packets. Oh, keep digging. I think there's more. St- those are just the pa- what's underneath it. It is film. What kind of yeah, film? Mailers for the film. What kind of film is it? It's like bite wings or something for the. Oh, my Holy God. Holy mother of God. Oh, it's sub six. It's sub miniature. Miniature film. Wow. No. Whoa. <laughs> Even Matt's excited. Can I, can I see a little he hates sub miniature. Someone take this out of my okay, hands before I throw it out. Yeah, okay. Of all people. Now, are these mailers active? I it was be like candy. That's <laughs> what I thought it was going to be. Are the mailers? I don't know. I didn't. I was not aware that that Olympus made film. With their name on it. What camera do they make it took film? Yeah, the joy is gone. 16. Yeah. Daylight, 20 exposure, one dozen, original box. Open up the little cells. They're all attached here. Olympus. Mystery is going to be solved. May 23rd, Olympus 16mm film cartridges. Hi, Michael. I came across some Olympus branded 16mm cartridges, model... Model 1610D. Evidently, they were made to fit one of a number of Olympus medical use scopes and cameras. But after looking at one of the cartridges, I think they may fit other 16mm sub-miniature cameras. Would you be interested in them? It's a complete pack of 12 cartridges, which expired in 2005. 11 are still foil-sealed, but I opened one hoping it would be 110 carts. No dice. 16 millimeter. The packages say daylight film and inside says it's color. I assume they are C41, but could also be E6. They would have been sent back to Olympus for processing and the specific, specific me- method listed. Without that, I won't be able to have them processed locally to test. Please let me know if you want them. And I said, thanks, Vince. <laughs> Not another more. I said, hi, Vince. Hope all's great. That would be terrific. Just dusted off my Minolta 16 camera. Perhaps it will fit. And that was back in May 22nd, 2017. Here. Maybe this was for a specific medical camera. Must have been. Because they were, Olympus was big in the medical field. We crack that baby open and lo- load your Minolta 16 cartridge. If yeah. I had one. <laughs> <laughs> you have oodles of fun with this. Well, folks, we're ending uh, this uh, first half of our season on a mystery. And that mystery is 
the Olympus 16-millimeter cartridges used in the medical field in Japan. That's where our friend Vince is from. He lives in Japan. This is the season cliffhanger. Yeah. End of season. What, what, this is this 10th season? No. Season 10. <laughs> no, this, is, this is season 8, and we're ending the first half. Uh, we are going to uh, put the chains on our tires. Yes. So we could so we could plow through the snow, sleet. No, I was just going to show oh. you guys something. Okay. And we're going to be back in March. We're taking a nice break. The website, of course, will still be updated regularly. Our FPP online store is open 24-7. Come on in. There's always new products in there. And, of course, we're going to be uh, taking a break to recharge our batteries, shoot, so that when we come back in March, we're going to have all sorts of new things to talk about. And we want to hear from you, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. It's been awesome hearing from you. We love to hear from you. And let us know, um, yeah, let us. Let us us know know, how your holidays were, what you shot over the holidays, what's new and exciting with you. Have you tried the new Polaroid film? Mm. Have you tried any new film that you haven't shot yet? Uh, Shoot us a line and uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Say goodbye, everybody. Say goodbye. Bye. 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 Johnny. It's over. Nothing is over. Nothing. Where's the future? You just don't turn it off. You want to my war? You asked me, I didn't ask you. Don't see the light. And I did what I had to do to win, but somebody wouldn't let us win. Who are they to protest me, huh? Who are they? Do what you gotta do, For you! For me, civilian life is nothing! In the field, we had a coat of honor. You watch my back, I watch yours. Back here, there's nothing! Back there, I can fly a good ship. I can drive a tank. I was in charge of million dollar equipment. Back here, I can't even hold the job. Fucking guys!
First blood, not me. Look, Johnny. Let me come in and get you the hell out of there. They drew first blood. They drew first blood. They drew first blood. They drew first blood. They drew Once more I have the love 
evening's you left me Each day transpired to finally night time descends on me I go 